Uh, well, we're, I'm, I'm excited today uh, to be starting a new series with you that we're beginning this week that we're calling uh, The Cure. It's a sermon series from uh, the book of 1 Corinthians, which hopefully you have uh, found by now. Uh, I finished off our last series two weeks ago, and uh, with plans to start this series last week, uh, and then COVID hit our house, and instead of preaching the cure, I was praying for the cure. Um, Lynette is so tough that she got COVID and never got sick, never had any symptoms whatsoever. Uh, she did test positive a couple times. We verified just to make sure. Uh, and she followed all the rules. And she was so mad because she knew she got it from me. And um, she had to stay home and miss work and all those good things with me. Uh, and I, on the other hand, had symptoms. Matter of fact, Lynette says, I'm like most every man. I was sicker than anyone had ever been before. Um, and so, and sicker than any of you have ever been before, right? But uh, uh, I appreciate so much Hunter filling in. He kind of got last minute's notice uh, last week. And, uh, but we joined in online with you guys uh, in services, and uh, Hunter shared a powerful message. I like him. I'm excited about the future. I, I just am. I can't help but believe that God is about to do some uh, amazing and awesome things uh, in your lives, in your families, in our church. And uh, I want to experience that with you uh, each and every one of you. But it seems, and, and I'm sure I don't, you don't have to have a, a preacher stand before you and tell you this, but it seems that there are just so many things that are going on in our world right now that are getting us distracted or trying to get us distracted from the things of God. I don't know if you've noticed that or not yet, but uh, anywhere from illness, this pandemic that we've been in now for, for two years that just doesn't seem to ever go away, to people being busier right now than they've ever been before, and people tell me all the time, you know, how tired they are, uh, people are exhausted, uh, you know, and, and they've just got so much going on. I don't know if you've noticed or not either, but there seems to be a, a little bit of division in our world today, right? Uh, that's an understatement, is it not? There's a lot of division uh, in our world today. It seems that everybody disagrees on everything with everybody, right? It seems that that is just the case. And don't think that Satan is not aware that busyness exhaustion and division, those are great tools in his arsenal to keep people from doing and being who God wants us to be. And he uses these things, this division, this busyness, and all these things to try to tear down families, to try to tear down churches, to try to tear down even communities. And, and so that's what drew me to, to Paul's letter and, and this new series that we're going to be in over the next several weeks. And I'll just give you a heads up this morning. We're not actually going to dive into a lot of Scripture 
uh, today because here's what I want to do. And, and I shared this. Lynette started her new class today on how to study the Bible and, and, and get more out of studying the Bible. And, and like I shared with them this morning, it's important that we always understand the context of what we're talking about, what we're reading in Scripture, and what we're studying. And so today is going to more or less be an introduction to this series that we're going to be in uh, over the next few weeks, possibly months, maybe even years. I don't know. Uh, But I feel like that we just need to lay the groundwork this morning before we can actually dig into it and understand what God has for us personally and for our church. And what drew me to, to Paul's first letter uh, to the Corinthians is that it's kind of like when you begin to read it and you understand uh, why he's writing it and who he's writing it to, it, it's kind of like this letter is, is almost like a calming, at least when I read it, it's kind of like a calming, clear voice speaking into the midst of their chaos. When I read this, and some of you are going to be able to relate to me here, I think of Brother Sanders, who was pastor before me. He was here for 27 years. He always brought calm to the chaos. He was always the voice of wisdom. He was always the one that, you know, he, one of my favorite things that he said, and, and I use this a lot, I've got a great reverse gear in case I need to use it. Don't get excited, you know. And, and so that, that's how I read this letter uh, from Paul. Because here's the thing, deal. Things in the church in Corinth are in turmoil, all right? Uh, things in the church are in turmoil, but a lot of that is a result of what's going on around the church, and in the city of, uh, of Corinth. And Paul's letter is written to them in order to kind of cut through all the noise that's trying to drown out the voice of God, to try to cut through the chaos. And Paul's intentions is to remind them of the cure. And for Paul and for us, the cure is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And he wanted them to know in all of this turmoil, in all of this chaos, in, every, in all this that's going on around them, that the gospel would and always will cut through the noise and cut through the chaos. And, and just to set this all up, we need to know a little bit about Not only the church in Corinth, but we need to know uh, a little bit about the city of Corinth where this church was. We read about Paul starting this church in the book of Acts chapter 18. And so maybe later you might want to read about that. Uh, But anyway, Corinth was one of the fastest growing cities. It was was booming, uh, one of the fastest growing cities in the Roman Empire. Uh, there were a lot of job opportunities there. There were a lot of economic opportunities there. And the strong uh, economy and, and all that it had to offer in the city uh, was a draw 
to a lot of people, especially a lot of young uh, adults that were looking for work, looking for prosperity, looking for activities and all these things to do. This, this growing, booming city was, you know, kind of, a, 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 you know, the perfect place for people looking uh, for that. Also, people would visit there, kind of like a vacation. They would just go there to visit because there were a lot of things to do there, a lot of things to see there. You can think of it kind of like this, kind of like New York City, right? Got a lot to offer. Uh, uh, I don't mind visiting, but I don't want to live there. But a lot of people do, right? Uh, because of the opportunities that are there. But in Corinth, all of this is going on, a booming city, all, you know, all kinds of activities and things to do. There were also all of these temples that were being built in uh, the city there that were places of worship, but so many of them were places of worship to Greek gods and Roman gods, and, and, and prostitution uh, was also an accepted part of the culture and even considered to be a form of worship in some of the temples. As a matter of fact, I read in, in some of the history that in one of the temples, uh, the temp, one of the temples there housed uh, like a thousand prostitutes so people could come and worship. It was considered to be a form of worship to, to be with a prostitute. And, and so all of this is going on, right? The devil is at work. And so Paul... He's lived there in Corinth for like 18 months. He leads a, a, a bunch of people uh, in the city to Christ. He starts this church there with these new believers. So, as you can tell, as you read his writings, he loved this church. He had a heart for this church. They represented some of his greatest fruit in ministry. And so he was very close to them. He cared for them deeply. But after he had left, he was beginning to get these reports that the church was having some issues. There were beginning to be some problems in the church. And it's these issues that we see him address in this letter that he has written to them. First, uh, one of the issues was that there was beginning to be division among the members. And so he addresses this division and what's taking place in the first four chapters. Secondly, the sexual culture that was prevalent in the city uh, had begun to influence the church. And the people in the church. And so Paul addresses that in the following few chapters. Next, there were differences of opinion about what uh, people ought to do and what people ought not to do, like what should they eat and what should they not eat, what should they drink, what should they not drink. Is alcohol, is it okay for people in the church to drink alcohol or not drink alcohol? And then there were these even more, m more important things that I'm sure Paul had to address too, like how people ought to vote, whether you should wear masks or no mask, whether you should vaccinate or be an anti-vaxxer. You know, really important things like that right there. Another issue 
that they were having in the church was that their worship service were becoming kind of chaotic. You see, there were people in the church that uh, were disrupting and interrupting the service, saying that the Holy Spirit had impressed on them something to share or something to do, and then they'd get bent out of shape if they weren't uh, allowed to speak or you know, say whatever they wanted to say. There were even outbursts of people that were uh, shouting out things in tongues that no one else could understand what they were saying. And so uh, it was becoming an issue in the church. And so we see Paul uh, address and lay out some guidelines uh, for how to let the Holy Spirit to work in the church. And then there were some in the church that were beginning to say, and this was being influenced by the culture around them, that, you know what, the resurrection of Jesus and some of his miracles, um, you know, really not that important, uh, maybe or may not have even happened, uh, but that here's the deal, we believe that Jesus was here, he was a prophet, and that what he taught was the most important thing, and so we need to focus on that. So we see Paul, uh, at the end of this letter, uh, try to explain to them why the resurrection is everything when it comes to Christianity. And in discussing all of these issues throughout this letter, we see Paul follow a pattern. He defines the problem. And then he gives them the cure through the lens of the gospel. The cure is always through the lens of the gospel, which is a great template for you and I to use as well. One uh, theologian said it like this. says, you should take whatever is broken in your spiritual life and apply the gospel to it. Because faith in the gospel is the cure regardless of the sickness. I love that. Absolutely love that. And we've learned in our past couple of series, we've kind of focused in on this, but we've learned that uh, what the gospel is, that the gospel is this good news of what Jesus did, for all of humanity on the cross and in the resurrection. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And that all of us are hopelessly lost. And we stand condemned before God. But in His grace, He sent His Son Jesus to pay a price, to pay a sin debt that we could not pay to die for our sins. And now, He offers us life life more abundantly, and eternal life as a free gift to all who will receive it humbly through faith. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And friends, that message is the cure. It's the answer for just about everything in the Christian life. And so we're going to work our way through this letter over uh, the next few weeks because honestly, uh, some of you may bristle at this a little, um, but I feel like he could have written this letter to our church. 
And you may go, I, I, I don't know about all that. Our church doesn't have any of these problems. We don't have any division in our church. And if you're sitting there today saying that we don't have any division in our church, then you obviously don't have Facebook. Is what it is. That's a place, for those of you that aren't familiar with Facebook, this is a place where everyone goes and posts all of their opinions about every single thing. And guess what? If you don't agree with their opinion, a huge fight starts out, breaks out on Facebook in the comments section. Because, newsflash, you will only hear this in church. This is the word of the Lord. Everybody has their own opinion. <laughs> they just do. And somebody sent me this text during the height of the mask or no mask debate. And it's spot on. I wanted to use it so bad then, but I thought I'm going I'm to let the fires kind of die down before I throw. And, and this absolutely has nothing to do whatsoever with the message or the Bible. But I just want you to see it because I thought it was good. People don't want to hear your opinion. They only want to hear their opinion coming out of your mouth. Amen? And that's what was going on here in the church of Corinth. And we look at the list of issues that are going on in their church, and they've got division, they've got sexual sin, they've got questions about the role of the Holy Spirit in the church service, they've got people who doubt some of the things that they read in the Bible are actually true or they actually happen. And we look at that list and go, that sounds like a pretty messed up church. I wouldn't want to go to that church, right? And, and pastor, you're saying that that church reminds you of our church? Well, here's what I'm saying. Any church that is actually reaching people is going to have these kinds of problems. Any church that's actually reaching people, particularly lost people, and people whose lives haven't been transformed by Jesus, are going to have these sort of problems. Because when you reach lost sheep, they come in here smelling like what? David? McGinney? Help me out. What do they come in here smelling like? Uh -huh. I wasn't going to say it. I just knew he would. You know what? I'll take those problems all day long if it means we're actually re reaching lost sheep. Lost people. People whose lives need to be transformed by Jesus Christ. Pastor and author Tim Keller says that there are two kinds of problems that churches have. First, there are living problems. 
And he defines living problems as the church that is reaching unchurched people who are bringing all of their issues with them into the church. Because here's the deal about people whose lives have yet to be transformed and changed by the power of Christ. They may be on the other side of the aisle politically than you. Which means there may be some messy political discussions and differences. Friends, this is a reason that I don't stand up here and tell you who to vote for. I don't stand up here and take a party line. And some of you hate that because you believe that there is only one party that is the Christian party. But here's what happens. Somebody brings a friend of theirs in, a neighbor of theirs in, that's a lost sheep. And they smell like a lost sheep. And I stand up here and I say, if you don't vote for this person or you don't vote for this party, then you're wrong. They ain't never coming back. And also, I may have totally eliminated them from ever wanting to hear about Jesus again. I also may have separated cause of division in the church because not everybody in the church agrees with you that there is only one party that is a Christian party. So we need to know that. We need to understand that going in. We also need to understand that some of the people that come into our church may be ethnically different than us. And so we may have to wade through some uncomfortable cultural situations and issues. Some of them may be financially different, so we have to navigate how the poor and the rich do life together in the church. And these people who have not been transformed yet by Jesus, well, they don't always know how to talk. (laughs) And they don't always know how to behave in church. And so you may hear some colorful words come out of their mouth. Yes, even in the church. Yes, Maybe even from their children. Yes, maybe even in the nursery. (laughs) I won't name names. A pastor one time we were listening to, and he was talking about this topic and church growth. And and, uh, he said, man, one of the greatest compliments I ever had. He said, we just built a new children's worship center. And. You know, it was cool and all that, had all the stuff. And, you know, this, this little boy brings his neighbor friend in with him. And he's standing there and he's looking around at all the screens, you know, all this cool stuff. And he looked at his little buddy and he said, hey, man, he said, you mean we don't have to pay anything to come in here? It, this doesn't cost us anything to get to 
be here and be a part of this and do this stuff and have all this cool stuff. You mean it doesn't cost anything? The little boy said, no, man, it, it, it's free. This is, you know, this is church. This is where we learn about Jesus and, and they make it fun because so we want to learn. The little boy looked around, his eyes lit up, and he said, man, this blankety blank is cool. And the preacher actually said what the little boy said. I, I, I wouldn't dare uh, say that. Some of you say it all the time. I don't know why I'd have to wait, but uh, he said one of the greatest compliments. You know, so we need to understand that. You know, these, 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 some of these people, they, they've not been changed. They've not been transformed. God still, different people are at different places on their journey. And we need to understand that. And we need to know that. And, and so, here's the deal. I will take living church problems all day long over the second type of problem. And that's dying problems. And a church with dying problems probably looks like this. Everyone is from the same political party. So there's no disagreements there. They're all of the same race and ethnicity. So there's no uncomfortable cultural issues or clashes. Everybody's about the same income level. So they're all like-minded about money and finances. But here's the problem with that. A group of people who all look the same, think the same, and vote the same is not a church. It's a quickly dying Christian country club. So let me ask you, which kind of church do you want to be a part of? A church with living problems or dying problems? I'll take living problems all day long. If you with me, say amen. amen. All in favor, say amen. amen. Sounds like we've got a majority, so we'll go on. And we'll dig in this morning. Today we'll start with the first problem and unpack these first four chapters over the next uh, few weeks. And the first problem that Paul is going to address here is this problem of division. And again, some of you may not think that this is important, but this is especially pertinent right now. Matter of fact, I want to share with you um, a study that I read about recently that was done by Lifeway. Some of you are familiar with Lifeway. They sell books and all kinds of Christian things, and they do studies and, and whatnot. A recent Lifeway study after COVID, which... <laughs> Are we, we're not after COVID yet, are we? But this was after the first year of COVID. Shows this. Church unity is the number one concern among pastors. Church unities. Following COVID and following the last presidential election, pastors said that church unity was their number one concern in the church, which has not been the case in the past. Usually, the number one concern for pastors in the church usually has something to do with finances or giving 
or church growth. But now, following COVID and this past election, it is church unity. Because there is an unprecedented number of people that have left churches during this season. And we're no exception to that. And they left over very, very important things. Like masks and vaccines and politics. So let's pick it up today, starting at verse 10. Paul is writing this to a church with living problems. <laughs> and he says this, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you. And this is basically Paul's theme for these first four chapters of his letter, maybe even the whole book. And look at what he does here. He is invoking the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which means that this should carry more weight than anything else. Right? He, he always writes, if you're familiar with Paul's writings, he will always write and he will always say that he speaks with the authority of being an apostle of Jesus Christ. But now, he's invoking God's name. Basically to say this, this message is the message of God. This message goes to the core and to the very foundation of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. Let there be no divisions. Let there be no factions. Let there be no cliques. Let there be no sense of these people are better than these people. Let, let there be no sense in the church of these people are more important than these people. And so what kind of divisions were going on? Well, we're going to look at that. And then next week, here's what we're going to do. We're going to see how this applies to us. So some of the divisions they were experiencing, they were the, some of them were theological in nature, which means, I know theological is a, is a big word. It basically means uh, that they were divisions over what the Bible says and study of the Bible and interpretation of the Bible, all right? The, to be a theologian means that you are studying God, right? I believe what that means. I'm one of my sons that knows all that. I don't know what it means. They had theological divisions. Some of them were theological in nature, but some of them were just personality-driven. And I, and I think you'll see what I'm talking about here. Look at verse 11. He continues, My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another says, I follow Cephas, who had a son named Bo. Still another says, I 
follow Christ. So some in the church were like, some of you have no idea. <clears throat> so some in the church were like, I'm a Paul guy. You know, Paul, man, Paul is such a great theologian. This guy has forgot more about Scripture than I will ever know. His letters are awesome. Matter of fact, I'm going to memorize everything that Paul has written because, man, his theology is spot on. And, and others were like, yeah, Paul's great with theology, but man, that dude can't preach his way out of a wet paper bag. I mean, his preaching is, is horrible. It's boring. And I think it's funny that Paul even acknowledges this over in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He says this, by, he says, I'm mighty in my writing, but weak in my preaching. See, he knows. He knows. I don't know if you've heard the one about the uh, usher that was seating people one Sunday morning uh, in church. But anyway, he's out there, and people are coming in, and he's taking them and finding them a seat. And this little old lady comes in, and she tells the usher, she said, I would like to be seated on the front row. And the usher looks at her and says, ma'am, you know, I appreciate the fact that you would like to be on the front, but I just got to be honest with you. He said, our preacher is so boring. He puts people to sleep every Sunday, and if you were to fall asleep, you'd be sitting on the front row, and everybody would see you, and the little old lady looked at him, and she said, young man, do you know who I am? He said, no, ma'am, I don't. She said, I'm the preacher's mama. He said, ma'am, do you know who I am? She said, no, I don't. He said, thank God. That's Paul's preaching. I mean, he, he had the kind of preaching that only, only a mother could love. So, so these people were like, I'm a Paul guy. Others were saying, I'm an Apollos guy, who, which is uh, Apollos was the guy that followed Paul as the pastor of that church there. And he really, I mean, the, the church really thrived and really grew while he was there. Uh, he was a great preacher. His story is in Acts 18.2, uh, if you want to read it later. But he was an excellent speaker but sometimes his theology was a little off, okay? Uh, it wasn't always quite where it needed to be, and so sometimes a leader in the church would have to pull him aside and correct him. But man, that dude could preach. I mean, he was an awesome preacher. Uh, and so now you have these divisions or factions of people. Some were like, I'm Team Paul. I love theology. Others were like, no, I'm, I'm Team Apollos. You know, I, I love, uh, you know, church growth and, and reaching people and, and hearing exciting preaching. And Team Paul would be like, but Apollos has weak theology. And they'd be, the others would be like, no, well, yeah, but Paul is boring. I even heard that a guy was listening to him preach and fell out of a window and died because he fell asleep. You know, and so things were getting really heated. That actually happened. Uh, and, and so things were getting pretty heated. There was another uh, group that felt this way about Cephas, who really didn't have a son named Bo. Cephas it actually is another name in Scripture for Peter. Okay, And so some were saying, you know, I'm, I, I'm more in favor of, of, of Peter and, and how he acts and how he lives and all that. And then there was this other group that was like, well, you know what? I don't follow any of them. I follow Christ. 
which sounds great, right? And you have, every church has these people. I, I mean, they just do. They are the ones that aren't into theology books. They don't think that you ought to have to go to a commentary or read anybody else's commentary or anything about the Scripture, that the Holy Spirit ought to just do that, and all they need is their Bible and Jesus. And that's all they need, just me and Jesus and my Bible. They even preferred home church. And by the way, commentators say that this group of people might have been the most arrogant group of people in the church because they assumed they didn't need anyone else. They didn't need the church, just them and Jesus. And so there's all of these divisions. And again, we're going to break these down starting next week as we look at this through the lens of our church. But here's the bottom line. Friends, there is no room, and this is what Paul is saying here, there is no room for any of this in any church. There's no room for this. Bickering, division, you're wrong, I'm right, I'm better. That's not the church. And that's why Paul's heart was so broken when he's getting these reports about what's going on in the church. There is no room for any church to have this kind of thinking or behavior in it. And friends, we must be a church to where Christ is the focus. His death, His burial, and His resurrection is the cure for all. What He has done for us is the cure for not only all, but for all of these problems and all of these issues. So that we will, uh, you know, so that we will be a church who wants Jesus to be lifted up. Jesus to be exalted. We want Jesus, as long as I'm the pastor here, my goal is that Jesus is the biggest thing, the biggest decision that anyone would make in the church. That Jesus would be large, and our identity in Him would be our voice. Our identity in Christ would be the voice that cuts through the noise, cuts through the chaos. And all of this other stuff that Granny said didn't amount to a hill of beans. That the voice of Christ living in us and speaking through us cuts through all of that. So that we, so that you and I can have absolute clarity in who we are and what we've been called to do as followers of Christ. And friends, I'll just tell you. If that is what, if that's what is important to you, as long as I'm your pastor, you're in the right place. If that's what matters to you, you're in the right place. And I am glad, I'm beyond glad, I'm blessed and thank God every day that He allowed me to be your pastor to be able to work along beside of you 
walk along beside you on this journey, building the kingdom of God with you. Friends, we got to keep the main thing, the main thing. And we're going to go through these next few weeks and see how the cure that Paul gives us here can apply to us and our church as well to help us keep our focus on him. Come back next week. Some of you are like, I ain't never coming back. That's fine. That's fine. Pharisees, go. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Y'all know I'm kidding. Some people don't know how to take my sense of humor. Uh, just take it personal. That's all. <laughs> Come back next week uh, because I believe that you'll see how this applies to us and our church. And with your help and with God's help, we'll get it right and we'll do it right. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you today for having the opportunity today to celebrate your love with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I, I earnestly mean this. I absolutely love being with these people, worshiping our Savior. And God, yeah, this place isn't perfect because we got all kinds of folks at all kinds of places and points on their journey with Christ. And sometimes that can get messy and sometimes that can be hard. But God, I believe what you're wanting to speak into our lives and into our church right now is the fact that this is, this is a part of it. But if you'll stay focused, if we will stay focused on you and this message and this transforming spirit of God that is with us, then we're going to be okay as long as we keep our focus on the cure and on the right thing. We're going to be okay. And we're going to understand that the biggest decisions that we make in this church is whether or not people are going to be a follower of Christ. That's all that truly matters after all. So God, go with us as we leave this place that we will represent you well. That the voice of God will be heard and seen through the lives that we live. And the impact that we make as we go out from this place. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to serve you. To worship you. And to be called the children of God. It's in Jesus' powerful name that we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. Be careful out there. There may be some ice patches around the building. <laughs>